welcome back to the Absolute Worldy Podcast. Episode 3. How you doing, Kyle? I'm fine. I'm feeling, you know, after all those Bs in Group B, Yeah. I'm ready for some Cs. Some Cs? Yeah. Let's get on with it. Let's get ahead of it. Let's get ahead of it. Kickball with football, yeah. Those categories again. Putin's Pravda points. Now, this is for, if you're sitting there in the pub, uh, you've... Your ears are pricked at the at the mention of the team, and you've got that fact, and it's one of these Pravda points that we've fed you, and you can whip that point out, impress your mates, impress everyone in the pub, or maybe you're on a rooftop. I don't know. It's gonna blow everyone away. On a rooftop? Yeah. Sometimes you get like hipster football events. They're my ah, favourite. Yeah, you love a hipster. Football I love event. a football event for hipsters. And then we've got Russian roulette. Uh, this is a player that's going to make a big money signing off the basis of a couple of good performances. So let's see. Let's say you're in, you're watching a game. Someone's having an absolute blinder, and you hear the commentator say, oh, this is his third good game in a row." You can start putting bets on at your local bookies. He's going to sign for one of the top six English clubs. And then guess what? You're making money out of this whole World Cup hoo ha that you hate. After that, we've got hot to Trotsky. This is for you to earmark the really hot players. Just to watch out for them, listen for their names being mentioned, check them out, get off on it, why not? The final one, Moscow Mule. This is the player most likely to let down their team on an international level. And, I mean, I don't want to take the tone down, but in the past, this has led to death. There are players that have been assassinated for bad performances at World Cup. I think that's going to come up, maybe I, I think in it, a couple of episodes' time. It may well come up in a couple of episodes' time. But meanwhile... Here comes Group C, Kyle. Yay! I'm excited for Group C. I'm excited for Group C just purely because I think it, it has the potential for some upsets. And I, it, so far, I honestly don't think any 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 surprises. Uh, and let me tell you about a team that I think will spring a couple of surprises. Well, who are the four teams in this group? First of all, uh, Peru, Denmark, France, and Australia. There could be some surprises. Yeah, I think I think both Australia and Peru have got strong shouts to upset some bigger teams. Let's find out why. Uh, I will start by telling you about Peru. How about that? Do it. La, la Blanquiroja. La Blanquiroja. The white and red. Yes, <laughs> but just one word for it. I'm picking up the language. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. As we go. That sounds like Spanish. It, 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 Kyle, it is. Good. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, fine. Um, so... Putin, Pravda points about Peru. There's no contest here as to what the story is, right? I think everyone knows what this is going to be, who knows anything about football. But if you don't, you're going to be excited about this one. Peru's talismanic striker, Paulo Guerrero. So exciting that he was going to the World Cup. He fired them through qualifying. And then what happened? He tested positive for a metabolite of cocaine at a World Cup qualifier against Argentina in October. A South American. A South American taking cocaine... Well, no, hold on. Let's not. <laughs> let's not cast. I'm just. It's just. It's just because I've watched that that show. What's it called? Narcos. Narcos. <laughs> so listen. Guerrero argued the stimulant had not been performance enhancing and was accidentally consumed in contaminated tea. So they contaminated contaminated tea. tea. So they obviously they protested this ban uh, for this uh, metabolite of cocaine, and Switzerland Supreme Court. I don't know why it would be in Switzerland. Uh, but there you go. Isn't that where FIFA's based? That'll be why. Right. Switzerland Supreme Court has said it has granted an interim order to freeze Guerrero's 14-month 14 14 ban for a positive test with the following statement. 
Paulo Guerrero can take part in the World Cup. That's all they said. That's all they said. <laughs> Amazing. That's a great statement. Um, so the, the I in- love the idea that he got a letter. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to read all this really complicated <laughs> jargon. <laughs> One sentence. Excellent. Result. So the interim ruling puts the ban imposed by the Court of Arbitration of Sport on hold until a full consideration of the case. CAS, that's the Court of Arbitration of, for Sport, has Im- had imposed the ban in May, but uh, and they... Uh, were upholding an appeal by the World Anti-Doping Agency who wanted him banned. Yeah. So they'd said earlier, they also said earlier on Thursday, they would not intervene in Carrero's legal campaign to play at the World Cup, but that it would not object if a federal judge decided to freeze the ban. So having frozen the ban, Paolo Guerrero can take part in the World Cup, the campaign for uh, the courts of arbitration for sport have uh, not protested it. So he can play at the World Cup. And here's the, the most exciting, as far as I'm concerned, Putin Pravda point about Paolo Guerrero's uh, ban for uh, for Peru. Yeah. In order to appeal to FIFA to lift the ban, Peru spoke to the other teams in the group. So France. To France, to Australia, and to Denmark, and said, will you support this? And not only did they support that, but the specific captains of those teams, Hugo Lloris, captain of France, Mille Jednak, captain of Australia, and Simon Kjar, captain of Denmark, all signed a joint statement nice. saying the ban was disproportionate given Cass's acknowledgement that Guerrero did not knowingly ingest cocaine or even try and seek an advantage. It's extraordinary. And Guerrero says, this decision does justice, at least partially, and I'm grateful to the Swiss court. I love how that is open-ended. It could be that yeah, yeah. he's like winking there and saying, I did take cocaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's him saying... There's still things There's to be still sorted stuff out. To but yeah, you've definitely... The important thing is, he's a 34-year-old striker. This is definitely going to be his last World Cup. Peru might not even qualify again. And he does get to play. Is Okay, I want to know whether you think that's good news. I think that's great news. Apart from narrative. like So, here's the thing, here's the thing. And this is a completely different subject that we definitely shouldn't be talking about today. Uh-oh. But uh, my question is, if a sportsman takes cocaine, is that a performance-enhancing drug? Uh, it is a banned substance. Don't get me wrong. It is illegal in every country in the world. But why would you ban someone from playing sport for taking a drug which is actually potentially harming their body and not making them able to take better, uh, take, play their sport better? It, it, doesn't it affect mental capacity in a, in a way that might make you perform better? I don't think so. I don't think you can draw a 100% negative correlation between cocaine use and performance. I, I, that, I think that's why it's on the list. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a subject to be discussed. We've all seen those pictures of Maradona. We have all seen those pictures of Maradona. Off his face in the, was it 19... 1994. Yeah, and he was playing well. He just got a great goal. That's true. Good point. Well, then maybe I, it's not good news. But nevertheless, it does lead me very neatly onto my hot to Trotsky. And it is that I'm going to go with Guerrero. Yeah, good I mean, choice. He's got a bad boy charm, not just because he potentially took cocaine, that is frankly irresistible. Do you want to have a little gander? I certainly do. I mean, I already know what he looks like because I've seen I the mean, pictures. I mean, honestly. Yeah, he's really, really hot, isn't he's, he? It's just, he just looks just dangerous, doesn't he? He looks a bit... You know when people who have gone through stuff look older than they are? Yeah. He looks older than 34, but he's only in terms of, like, the winkles around his eyes and his kind of sallow yeah, he's cheeks. He's seen stuff. He's seen he's stuff. He's seen stuff he's in seen, Peru. I mean, he's seen people potentially taking a, a cup of tea and they think they're putting in white sugar. I'm not going to cast aspersions. I don't know what happened. Uh, yeah. But, you know, according to him, justice has partially been done. Partially been done. So Russian roulette, easy one again. Edison Flores. 
Never heard of him. Currently plays in Denmark. He was Peru's main goal threat in qualifying, actually. Guerrero was not the, their top goal scorer. Um, Flores was, and Peru did very, very well to qualify. Uh, out of uh, uh, their qualifying section um, I would say he's almost a guaranteed Premier League transfer this summer wow or, yep or potentially if not Premier League then a major European League okay. he has scored a lot of goals he will score at least one more and I, th- I think he's not going to be in Denmark for much longer and that name again that name again was Edison Flores Edison Flores Edison Flores good to remember uh, and so Moscow Mule this is a sad one I tend to be quite sad with my Moscow Mules and I do want them to fail as no, well no but it, quite... it's bittersweet isn't it because you want the story to be worth it so it's always going to be a bit heart wrenching yeah. but then it's that that kind of jaw dropping to the floor moment when it really happens yeah well so Peru are a free flowing attacking team mm-hmm. they score goals but their defence is not good and their captain, Alberto Rodriguez, is their most important defender. When he hasn't played, they've lost. And he is A, 34, mm. and B, incredibly prone to injury. Oh, no. He's been injured countless times. He's lost, missed a lot of football through injury. Imagine, if you will, first game against the Danes, crocked. Yeah. End of his World Cup, Peru concedes six goals against France and Australia. Could happen. Could happen. That's my Moscow mule. Everyone's talking about the would you like some uh, some uh, Putin Pravda points about Denmark, Carl? I would love to know what Putin would want to know. Putin, well, I'll tell you what Putin would definitely want to know what I prepared for you to know about Denmark. The Danish dynamite, as they are actually known. That's their nickname. That's their nickname. Why do you put the Danish on it? They're dynamite. Like, it's not there are two Denmark teams. <laughs> We're the Danish dynamite, they're the Danish dominoes. What is that? Danish Dominoes is a really good name. No, they fall over. Oh, uh, crap. Danish Dynamite, kaboom. Kaboom. Goals. They, they... <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about them. So, uh, I actually, it's a bit left field, but I want to talk to you about Nadia or Nadia Nadim. Right? Okay. So, Nadia Nadim. Now, if this isn't a reason to get behind Denmark uh, in, in the team that you're going to support, obviously maybe not for Vlad, but for, for a casual listener, then nothing is. Nadim... Uh, is an Afghani refugee. Her father was murdered by the Taliban. Sorry, a female player. I'm with yes, you. sorry, she's a, a female player. Yeah. So she won't be going to the World Cup, or at least not this iteration of the World Cup. Um, her, her, uh, her father was murdered by the Taliban. Her and her family uh, tried to get to London to escape uh, with forged Pakistani passports, but they somehow ended up disembarking in Copenhagen. It's expensive. Yeah, it's very expensive. And so uh, during uh, the, uh, well, well, I think Denmark always does this with refugees. They, they actually lived in a refugee camp in Denmark. Wow. And she and her sister played football. They played football at the local team's pitch. She signed her first professional contract at 18 with IK uh, Skovbakken. And that whole family moved to Aarhus, which is where Skovbakken is, um, uh, which is also a very, very, uh, it's known for its educational facilities, for its incredibly good schools and its university. And she juggled football and school. Not only did she become a professional footballer, she also trained to become a reconstructive surgeon. What? Yes. She speaks fluently Danish, English, German, Persian, Dari, Urdu, Hindi, Arabic and French. Wow. Uh, let me just read some things that she says out. Just this is amazing. Uh, this is the statement she made when she signed for Manchester City, who she plays for now. Um, People who have done little things for me have had such a huge impact on my life and the way I see the world. I want to do that for others. I do love playing football. I enjoy it and feel it's my hobby, but I want to do something more. I feel I have the skill set, and as a doctor, I'm able to touch a lot of people's lives and help them. 
I mean, she's an extraordinary person. I mean, that makes me feel so low about my own oh, self. Oh, yeah, completely. Totally. Like, all I don't want... compare yourself to Nadia Nadine. Well, all, all, all I've always wanted to do was not have to do anything else apart from play football up until the age of about 15. Yeah. Um, she And uh, she wants to do that to an international level yes. and also be a life-saving doctor. I mean, you want to talk about doing it to an international level? When the time came for promotion to Denmark's women's senior squad, she was not, able, she was not registered as a Danish national but she'd been living in Denmark. Denmark pleaded with FIFA to make an exception to their rule which stated a player had to have lived in a country for five years before they were eligible to play for its first team. And when they considered her refugee circumstances, that request was granted and Nadine became the first naturalised player of either gender to play for an international FIFA-recognised team. Okay, that is an amazing Putin proud to I mean, if that's not going to make you, listener, and Vlad think that Denmark are your team to support in the World Cup after they pleaded that a naturalised refugee could play for their women's team, then nothing will. I mean, you'd have Vlad, you'd have to have Mr. Putin. You'd have to have a heart of stone to <laughs> not would. want to support Denmark, wouldn't you? You really would. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Uh, so uh, that's uh, that's my Putin Pravda point. R- admittedly, nothing about the Danish men's team, but whatever. Yeah, Who but that's gives. inspiring. It's I inspiring feel like, for them. I feel emotional. Uh, yeah, true. Is she a goalkeeper? Uh, no, she's a striker. So, like, footballers are not renowned for having intricate movements of their hands, and she is a surgeon. Yeah. Jesus. Reconstructive. Uh, so let's move on to the men uh, and play some Russian roulette. Now. This is a this is a this is one that if it does happen, uh, whichever team takes him is an absolute fool. Okay. Andreas Cornelius. Ah uh, yes. Was an eight million pound signing in the Premier League with Cardiff last time they were in it. I remember. And he was terrible. That was uh, I think a Solskjaer signing. Yep. Absolutely a Solskjaer signing. He was awful. He, he's a striker that doesn't score goals, which is always uh, a fun uh, thing to be. Um, he has been rubbish again this season for Atalanta. Oh, no. he's, he's not scored. He has. He's got a, a, a handful. Okay. Um, he's, uh, he has been dreadful. I can see him being the starting striker for Denmark and getting a couple of lucky tap-ins from some Christian Eriksen brilliance and somehow earning a, a, a transfer. And I can, you know, Watford? Maybe. Or Southampton? Always a, on the look. Bulky number you can nine. see Mark Hughes being like, this guy, I can make him a better player. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, he would be a real awful choice. I mean, a real Russian roulette bad choice. Do you think he's going to play, though, for Denmark? It's not guaranteed, although it is made more uh, uh, possible by the fact that Nicholas Bentner, who would have been my Moscow mule, of course, it's Nicholas Bentner, uh, is injured. And so isn't going. What's his nickname? Nic- Nicholas Bentner. Lord Bentner. Lord Bentner. Because oh, I think he owns a uh, country yes, manor yeah, yeah, in sure, England. Sure. Lord Bentner. Lord, Lord Bentner is not going to the World Cup. We're going Cup. to miss you, Lord Bentner. We will, uh, I mean, everyone always misses Nicholas Bentner when he doesn't play. Uh, so he is not going to be the number one striker. So actually for Moscow Mule, segueing neatly on, uh, in the absence of Nicholas Bentner, I thought to myself... What player, what player, Carl, do you think transcends, what, what sort of, what kind of player transcends a World Cup? And it's someone whose uh, father has done well at previous tournaments. Good narrative. Yes. So, for example, in 1996, Jordi Cruyff playing badly for Holland was great because Johan Cruyff, sorry, 1996 European Championships, mm-hmm. because Johan Cruyff was Johan Cruyff. So what if Denmark's number one, Kasper Schmeichel, no doubt a world-class goalkeeper, has a, a terrible tournament and makes mistakes. I mean, imagine that. Imagine the comparisons with his father, Peter. Well, 
Casper, if that did happen, let me just be the first to say it seems that my mother has a penchant for goalkeepers in uh, yeah. in horrible circumstances. So yeah. I wouldn't worry too Kyle's much. Kyle's mum will be along to sort you right out. Casper. No, that sounds awful. She might give you a hug. That's what I meant. Don't take it in a weird way. Speaking of uh, hugging, hot to Trotsky. Yep. Do you know how I'd like to hug? All six foot two inches of Andreas Christensen. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You do I mean, like a, a young lad. He's got a jawline again. I, I, most of my, um, I mean, he's got a baby face on top of six foot two inches of stockiness. Is just, a, it's a great thing, isn't it? He's got ice blue eyes. Yeah, it? and he's gangly in a kind of oddly charming way. He's got a lot going on. I, I suggest you have a little Google of Andreas Christensen because he really, I mean, to be both uh, chiselled lanky, baby-faced, and have a piercing blue stare. There's, there's basically something for everyone, really. He looks a bit like um, that uh, unfortunate actor who was crushed by his own car last year. Oh, God. Um, the Star Wars actor who uh, played the Russian character. Not Star Wars, Star Trek. His oh, name escapes me. Uh, the uh, Anton Yelchin. He looks a bit like an. Uh, Anton Yelchin. Yes, there you go. That's a that's an obscure reference for an obscure reference, really. Anton Yelchin is a well-known actor, I'll have you know. Especially sure. since his awfully tragic uh, death. Horrible. He was crushed by his own car uh, into a gate of his Hollywood house. That's horrific. And no one found him for hours. That's also a horrific way for, to finish uh, Denmark in, a, in, a, in Group C. I would like to hear about the big boys in Group C, Kyle. I'm going to tell you about the biggest boy in Group C. Yeah. It's France, or Les Bleus. Les Bleus. Allez Les Bleus. Allez Les Bleus. Go the Blues. <laughs> I'm going to give you my Putin Pravda point. Yes. Now, there's been a lot made, uh, listeners, about the depth uh, of quality available to the France coach, Didier Deschamps. Yeah. I mean, they, have, they basically, I think, have... Probably had to leave out the best players. Discuss. Well, it's interesting that you said that, Joel, because I'm going to get you to discuss. I've got a fantastic fact here, which I think is a wonderful little uh, snippet for maybe half time in a France game or maybe the opening when everyone's just getting the round of beers in. Especially if you're watching it in a French bar. It's a bit of a quiz. Oh my God, here we go. Have left behind players from this squad, players that didn't reach the squad because of having so many good players. Some of the players they left behind. This season won the Premier League, Ligue 1, the Bundesliga, La Liga, the Europa League, and the Champions League. Can you name those players, Joel? Well, name, name the competition. Premier League. Amaric Laporte. Correct. Ligue 1. There's two for Ligue 1. Adrian Rabiot. Tick. And is Kazawa? Tick. Yes. Good start. I mean, this is very football-specific stuff now, guys. Apologies apologies if you're one of our casual listeners. Here we go. Bundesliga. If you're a casual listener, if you could learn this and whap it out in the pub, people would literally... People you You don't even know would be... If you whap these Putin Pravda points out in the pub, people will be absolutely... Especially to your football-loving friends, they will be like, that is extraordinary But just other people at the bar will be like, I am zoning into this conversation. Especially if it's a French bar, they'll be like, sacre bleu, that person knows about France. Uh, I was about to say Mamma Mia, but that is a different language. (laughs) Um, The Bundesliga, please. The Bundesliga. Bayern Munich won the uh, Bundesliga this season, and they have a Frenchman named Franck Ribéry. Uh, I think I have missed him out. (laughs) 
Oh no, Kyle. So Frank Ribéry, yes, but he's retired from France. Oh, right. But yes, he is. He did. But there's another one. Another one. Another, another French Frenchman, player, much much younger than Ribéry. Oh gosh. Oh, uh, Bert. Oh no. No, I've, I've got Kingsley Coman. Kingsley Coman didn't make the squad. He did not make the squad. Good God. La Liga. Uh, La Liga was won by Barcelona. Lucas Dean. Lucas Dean didn't make the squad. God, they really do have some amazing players. The Europa League. Atletico Madrid. Well, Griezmann's definitely going. Yes. There's another Frenchman at Atletico Madrid. Who... There's two more. There's one. Another one is going. Hernandez. Wow. Do you know? I, I'm drawing a blank. Kevin Gamero. Kevin Gamero. And the what Champions League. The Champions Ah, well, that's an easy one because of controversy, which I don't know if you're going to touch upon, but Karim Benzema. Karim Benzema. Exactly. So that is seven or eight players that would walk into any... Uh, I mean, I mean, most if you were, if you were playing Russian roulette now with those players, most Premier League teams would take, I'd say, nearly all of them. 100%. Um, one tiny little uh, Putin Pravda point for you. Adel Rami, the central defender... Place from Marseille. Yes. Is married to a famous American actress from Baywatch. Is he? Pamela Anderson. No way. Yeah. That's amazing. I wonder how they met. Hold on, hold on. Adil Rami is not famous enough to be married to Pamela I Anderson. Think I think, I seem to remember it was a Monaco meeting. He wasn't playing in Monaco, but there was... But he's just, he's an, I mean, no offence, Adil, if you're listening, but he's not. He's no, no one. I'm sorry. Adil Rami is a millionaire footballer he's who is about 20 years younger than Pamela but it's not like She is the one who's having a lovely time. No, come on. It's not like it's not like Neymar. If she was going out with Neymar, I'd be like, well, obviously. He's a bit more of a, like... I, I, if you look at Rami, as in comparison to looking at Neymar, he looks like a debonair European millionaire. Yeah, okay. Neymar looks like... A, a, a child that got lost. Or like, and found he looks a like a pounds. famous... Art, like musical artist. Yeah, that's true. That not, true. not going to be attracted to Pamela. Also, Adel, is it? Adel. Adel. Adel and Pamela. I mean, you've got some great choices there. Pamdel. <laughs> Adela. Ramelson. Ram. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> so, Russian roulette. Yes. Now, as we said, there's a lot of quality players in this team, and there are some that have made the cut over others that are seemingly equally as um, yep. deserving. Agreed. My choice for the Russian roulette is Nabil Fakir. Great shout. Superb. He is a wonderfully intricate and potentially decisive player. He's been linked away from his club Lyon in France for a very long time and Liverpool seemed determined to snap him up before the tournament. Someone obviously didn't pass Liverpool the memo that you do not do that in a World Cup year. No, because that's how Russian roulette works. The only chairman who I remember doing that on a regular basis is Daniel Levy. Of Tottenham Hotspur, sure. And rather sensibly, it must be said, doesn't want to get caught up in that whole World Cup hoo-ha and signs world-class players just before the tournament and then watches their value skyrocket. Yes. So that is technically the way to that do it. That is sound business sense. But that's but not the way we like it's it. It's not the narrative way. So, he is a gifted player with a football brain and a range of passing and shooting to envy many world-class players in the final third. But he's never really done it on a big stage. We no. haven't had the opportunity and this is his now, chance. Now, Bill Fekir plays for Lyon. Lyon. Yeah. They, they, do, they play Champions League, but he they barely get out of the groups. And... Also, he's quite often crocked. Yeah. He's not known for being consistently fit. But is he worth a punt at 70 million? 70 million. I think we will know the answer. Yes, of course he is. It's yes. And the answer is also no, but this is a World Cup year. I mean, maybe the King of Morocco could buy him. For which club? (laughs) Just for his own personal use. I think that he wouldn't (laughs) want to go. 
Let's move on to Hot to Trotsky. <laughs> You've got no chance of seeing him on the pitch, but PSG goalkeeper Alphonse Ariola. Ariola will be brooding on the bench. Ariola by I'm name. Just going to show you a picture. Ariola by nature. No, um, here he is. Good grief! I didn't know what he looked like. No, I had no idea what Alphonse Ariola looked like. He he's, is um, that Mohican look is excellent. He's Filipino French. Filipino French. Yeah, great. Both mix. his parents are Filipino, um, but he has cheekbones chiselled from Parisian stone. I think. Yes. And his surname means the outer orbit of a nipple. <laughs> it does. I think that's what you were getting. Ariola, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ariola by name. So that, that Ariola just, by nature. That doesn't mean anything. No, it's gibberish. Outer ring of a nipple by name. <laughs> outer ring of a nipple by nature. I think it adds to his je ne sais quoi. Though. Yeah, it does. He has got a je ne sais quoi. Now, in the squad of so many good players, it's hard to pick a Moscow mule, but someone has to let them down. That is true. And I think it's going to be Paul Pogba. Oh, Paul. Previously the world's most expensive player. Paul Pogba, the inventor of the Pogbants, which is a sort of dance. He tried to combine his own name with the word dance. And there's a wonderful video of him trying to get his mum to Pogbants and she does not know. I encourage you to pause us and go watch that. Frankly, it is, it is an extraordinary thing. Just play it both over the same. You know, we'll, we'll, it's, we'll, it's commentate, we'll, we'll commentate over it. It is extraordinary. Pogba is known for videos. He... On his signing for Manchester United, there was a wonderful announcement video, which has basically been now copied the Europe over when they're having yeah. a big signing. Also not so successfully when the signing of Sanchez for Manchester United involved him playing a piano. Yes, that was great. I enjoyed Weird. that. Weird. Um, but I think Paul Pogba wants to be the hero of this France team. Yeah. But if they fail, you can bet your Eiffel Tower he'll be painted as the villain. Bet your Eiffel Tower. Well, they can. <laughs> Yeah, I got one. But what is it about Paul Pogba? Do you, do you think is is that powder keg that's going to potentially just, lead to blowing he's just up not, his face? He's just never played. Never seems to play well. He's the most highly rated player that doesn't play well. Like he's genuinely spoken about in the same breath as Ronaldo, Messi, and Neymar, and players of that ilk, and yet he doesn't seem to ever play well. He was very good for Juventus, but since then he hasn't had a good game for United. I don't. I. <laughs> I feel like we all get wrapped up in this narrative and I don't I don't know what's at the bottom of it. Is it his personality? Is it his like he's just unashamedly youthful as well. Yeah, that's which true. a lot of journalists can't yeah. really link he's got into because they're not colourful bits in his hair and he does dances and he, he clearly is into a like sort of hip hop culture that the kind of average football journalist cannot relate yeah, to. Yeah, they can't grasp it. And no, also, is is he... that classic young rich black guy gets more stick than a, a young rich white guy thing? But yes. he is not playing well at football, which is the main problem, surely. That's but the narrative. He's world-class footballer, doesn't play world-class football. But it's also, I think, the added reason that he puts himself out there to be criticised is that he has this John Terry-like thing of wanting to be seen to take the lead in time, when times are bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, when, that, when things are going well, that can be, it doesn't, you don't look bad. But when the team is playing bad or you're playing bad and you still try and be the one to be the leader when maybe you should probably let someone more humble take that role. Mm. You're putting yourself out there to be criticised. Yeah, true. But I'm glad you, you brought up race because I do, I, I think, and then maybe we'll come up again in these podcasts, I have a sneaking suspicion that there is a tendency to um, vilify certain players and I, I would love to know what's on the bottom when Pogba is one. There is certainly some within the England squad I think we'll come on to. I think both Delhi and Sterling are going to be discussed in those terms. Yeah, and I just think especially with uh, Fregi, the Brazilian midfielder, literally with his hand over the contract at Manchester United, just signing it probably this week as we speak, the pressure is on Pogba. Yes, he's got to perform, and I, I think you're right to put, 
to pick him out as a Moscow Mule because I think he's almost certainly not going to. want to do accents for Australia but let's not okay I mean um, it's definitely better than if you've done an accent for Iran but I think we're I can't do it it's still on dodgy ground don't don't do accents well let's move on to Australia France's uh, opponents in the opening game of Of Group C C. Uh, Pogba will be leading them out potentially I know it'll be Laurie still be leading them out as captain against the Socceroos what a brilliant nickname I hate it. I love it. Because I I know that the Australians call it soccer because they have Aussie rules football. Yeah. But I just, I hate the word soccer. Anyway, here's my first Putin Pravda point, and it's a good one. Australia were the first ever team to qualify for a World Cup via a penalty shootout. That is a great one. And and I've got to say, I've been chatting about football recently with people who don't like football, and it turns out that one of the things that people love about football is penalty shootouts. It's absolute cutthroat, horrible, brilliant. I mean, I hate it as a football fan, but I think if you don't like football, all you really want... is the game to be over. It's the game to be (laughs) over. So you're just like, well, brilliant, this penalty shootout means it's about to finish. And people are going to be very upset. Perfect, let's move on. Yeah. And so Australia got there via penalty shootout. 2006, via Uruguay. Just going to drink some water while you talk, sorry. That's okay. They, uh, the second leg went to penalties. Mark Schwarzer, the Australian uh, goalkeeper, saved two of those penalties. And you might remember this lad. He played in England. Jean Aloisi. Yes. He scored the winning penalty, which must have been Hardly near the lad. end of his... He's got to be pretty... That must have been near the end of his career. Right. Um, so that was that. They won on penalties. The first That's team to do so. Amazing. Um... That is, I mean, just the the tension in that, you know, like penalty shootouts are ridiculously tense at the best of times, but when it's whether or not you get to go and do the thing which is the pinnacle of your profession, there can't be many other professions, even outside of sport, where that level of tension is involved in, in, in deciding whether or not you get to experience the height of your profession. But on the other side to that, all you have to do is kick a ball. That is true, which is not that hard. Like, imagine if... For example, you worked in, I don't know, finance <laughs> and you were about to, you were going through the intricacies of like a big stock deal or something. I don't know anything about finance. Um, <laughs> so and they podcasts. were like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, you can, you, you can risk it all here. We'll let you, all this hard work you've done. <laughs> yeah, it could pay off, but what we'll, we'll let you risk it all on the kick of a ball. If you can kick that ball past that man, you know? It's, yeah, no, it's true. It's, it's pretty black or white, isn't yeah. it? Um, anyway, second fact. Second. Sorry, Putin. Putin Pravda point. Pravda point. We are not facts. <laughs> they are just for you, Vlad, and for anyone else who wants to look like a smartass. We spoke about. Uh, we spoke about the youngest player. No, we didn't. We spoke about <laughs> the oldest <laughs> player uh, playing for uh, Egypt. Egypt. You taught me that. Yes, he played, and he's forty-five years old. Goalkeeper, the youngest player at this World Cup. Oof. Plays for know. Australia. Does he? His name is Daniel Armazi. Uh, and he, uh, don't quote me on him being called Amazi because it's on my uh, laptop saved it as Armani and that's definitely not his name. <laughs> uh, and he is 19. There are other 19-year-olds, but for the first World Cup 
uh, in a very, very long time, there is no one younger than 19. That's amazing. He is the youngest. I uh, mean, he could still be the son of the Egyptian goalkeeper. Oh, easily. Yeah. Also, there are, there's one in the England squad, a 19-year-old. Marcus Rashford. No, he's not anymore. He's not a teenager anymore. Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Right. There's Ashraf, who we've already mentioned, in the Morocco squad. And there are three more. Maybe we'll come on to them in a different episode. Sure. My final Putin Pravda point is, this is a real humdinger of one if you're looking to change the subject at the match. Let's say yeah. Australia are playing maybe Peru. And yes. it's taken to the 75th minute for a goal. Yes. And it's dire. Yes. Whip out this one, guys. The ladies' team for Australia are called the Matildas. Wow. As in, waltzing uh, Matilda. Exactly. So that's wow. the first thing that comes to mind. But what you probably, you know, what you don't probably do at home when you sing that th- or think about that song is then detail, find the research of all of the information about that song. It was written in 1895. <laughs> This is this is quality football podcast. Waltzing stuff. Matilda is written was written in 1895, and it's what's known as a bush ballad, and is also considered Australia's non-official national anthem because obviously the national anthem is "God Save the Queen." Oh, is it? I think so. It's Commonwealth. Oh God. Um, well then. So maybe it's not. If you're Australian, sorry. Yeah, don't uh, don't write in. We don't. But you to, are going to be happy for Australia. We don't I'm going about to tell everyone what the song Waltzing Matilda was about. I assumed it was about a woman dancing in a dance hall, Waltzing Matilda. Sure. No. Uh, waltzing refers to trekking or being on foot, right. journeying on foot. of course. A yeah. Matilda is a swag bag. A swag bag? Not as in like full of robbery Not... from a from a burglary. Oh, I was thinking more like, you know, when you go to like a... When you... When, you know when you and I go to those posh VIP parties we go oh, to? Oh, right. And we, we get given a swag bag at the end of the night with like... Designer gear. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you remember when we got one at the Oscars? <laughs> yeah, yeah that really was good. a good one. Um, so <laughs> it's actually about a man who is called a swag man, which is someone that basically travels around the bush on foot with all of their belongings on their back. Amazing. Um, this song is about him stealing a jumbuck. Do you know what a jumbuck is? Joe, have a guess. A jumbuck. A jumbuck. Well, buck sounds like an animal. Ooh. Jum sounds like jump. A jumping animal. It's a sheep. <laughs> That's pretty close then. I mean, you did really well there. <laughs> I would have gone for like some sort of weird marsupial. Um, so yes, this swagman steals a jumbuck and the person who owns a land on which the sheep has been stolen hunts him down with a few policemen. Right. And to avoid them, the man jumps into a billabong or a watering hole, yes. screaming out, you'll never take me alive killing himself and haunting the site forever. Oh, right. Waltzing Matilda. <gasps> That's what the song's about. Good God. Um, I think it's an allegory for Australia, right? I mean, it sounds like it. It's is. like the British uh, forces hunting down the Australian... Uh, Aboriginal people. No, no, no. Com- like the com- the convict oh, the, com- like the convicts, right. So it's like, yes, you, you brought us over here and now you're trying to punish us further. You'll never take us You'll alive. You'll never take us alive. Yeah, I think it's great. like a... That is, that, Vladimir, you will be nailing that one as you sip your vodka in the Kremlin, watching the Aussies, no doubt, uh, attempt to beat Peru. It does give a certain flavour to the Australian heritage, though, that song, and to this Australian team, I think. Yes. If they had any of the gumption of this swag man, mm. if they were screaming into the France Although it does space, sound like, actually, that belongs to the female Australian team rather than the male Australian team, who are just socceroos. Yes, but it turns out that the Matilda doesn't actually mean anything feminine. No, right. So yeah, why yeah. are they called the Matildas? Good question. Anyway. That's for another podcast. Maybe not. 
Joel, I would like to know if you can sing Waltzing Matilda. Waltzing Matilda, Waltzing Matilda, you'll come a Waltzing Matilda with me. And we something, and we something, and we something in a bit of <laughs> Great. Uh, let's move on to my Russian roulette. Let's do that quickly. Tom Rogic. Or Tom, Tom Rogic. Okay. He's a Celtic man. He's just won back-to-back trebles. And wow. there's not many players in the history of the game that can say that. Unless they play for Celtic. Oh yeah, exactly. Not even in Scotland. <laughs> He's bound to have itchy feet as he stares grimly towards a bleak future of Glaswegian dominance. Wow. The 25-year-old attacking midfielder probably thinks he's worth a punt at the Premier League. Mm. And might get there with some convincing displays. A move to Fulham could suit. He's of Serbian descent like Djokanovic and yes. Mitrovic. Of course, not playing dross every week could show him up to be bang average. Yeah, that does tend to happen when people move from Scotland. Except and, for some notable exceptions. Virgil van Dijk springs to mind. Oh, wow, yeah. Absolutely. And Celtic too. Yes. Uh, and if the likes of Peru and Denmark can show up this Australia team, maybe Rogic would be better off looking at somewhere lower than maybe the championship. Yes. Or he could just stay hoovering up trophies at Celtic. I mean, it does sound like he has a hoover for trophies if he's got six in two seasons. Hot to Trotsky. Tell me about this Aussie totty. Well, without being too <laughs> offensive, this bunch are a load of dags. <laughs> without being too offensive. <laughs> Matthew Leckie oh, uh, stands out sartorially. He, uh, pristine facial hair and faded sides. Oh. He's got a boyish swagger. Oh. But I've got to go for the mysteriously threatening Nile Jedinak. He is mysteriously Let threatening. me just show you a picture of this guy. I mean, I know you I know, know I know. You already know what he looks look like. look at him it's, today. So if you don't know what Nile Jedinak looks like, again, I encourage you to Google. It, it's a beard that you couldn't just get lost in. It's a beard that you could probably move into and live there fairly comfortably for a number of years I'm without him noticing. I'm going to describe it as a bush beard. It is a bush beard. A swagman beard. It's a swagman beard. You'll never take him alive. Never. Uh... <laughs> I think that his and also but to, to okay to counter his wild stiff beard he's got short back and sides haircut yeah so he screams I just screams at you you don't know me you'll never understand me he's a bad boy he gives zero fucks yeah until really. you get deep deep down into his heart of darkness and then he's probably yours forever maybe. <laughs> he's also got the best I think Mile is a brilliant first name because it's spelt Mile and I thought for ages it was Mile until I heard it out loud it's actually a, uh, a kind of nickname Oh, is it? Yeah, I think his first name is something like Michael. Oh, well, that's disappointed. I mean, I could look it up. Let's not. Um, Moscow Mule. Tell me who is going to be the Aussie rules, but lack of ruling. That's a really, um, that was tenuous, wasn't it? Moscow Mule. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you my Moscow Mule, and it's Tim Cahill. Oh, that's, I mean, why are we being so harsh on these older players? Okay, here's why. In a World Cup, players, they hold on to the end of their career for a World Cup. That's true. Because why not? Like, you're already 36 years old. You know if you sort of stay fit that you're one of the best players your nation has to offer. And so you think you're in for a shoo-in. He played for Millwall for the final six months of this season. Yes. And barely played. Oh, bless him. He's... So he kept fit. He basically kept his name in the hat. And I think it just shows, again, the lack of depth in the Does squad. Does he start? I, you cannot start this man. He's, I mean, he's a yard of pace is not even what he's lost. He barely, he can barely walk. He can I, still head the ball really well. But. Yes, but I, he, him alongside with Ronaldo, I think, have got the best leaping ability to head a ball. Yes. And maybe he can still do that, but I doubt he's still got that spring. No, he's thirty-eight years old. Jesus, Christ. and he's not a goalkeeper. That that goalkeeper was forty-five for Egypt. That's yeah. fine. 
He's got to run around a yeah. big old pitch. As we've said, all the all you need to do to stay fit as a 45-year-old goalkeeper in a previous group, as we discussed, is skip or run about a bit. I think this is the weakest uh, Australia squad at a World Cup ever. And I think that mule is probably, of all the mules we've had in groups A through C, the most likely one to come to pass. <laughs> So sad for Tim. But you know it's not sad for? Us, Joel, because we just took three minutes off the length of one of our episodes. See you next time! The Absolute Worldy Podcast is produced by Joel Samuels and Kyle Ross. Our theme tune is courtesy of Adam Janotowazowski. All other music is non-copyright and licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you again for listening, and do stay tuned for a small taste of what's to come in our next episode. He moved to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Right, now in the Premier League. Yep, and apart from endearing the Wolves fans to him by bringing the Viking Thunderclap to Molyneux, ah, he didn't achieve much else. <laughs> they dumped him and then they got he promoted brought, to the championship. He brought the clap to Molyneux. Hey, Joel, he bought the clap to... Well, not that sort of clap. <laughs> Kick ball with foot, foot.